This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, August 17th, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. The new Super Committee, or Super Congress, that's been charged with coming up with another trillion or so dollars in deficit reduction might be best off doing nothing and letting an automatic process of spending cuts take effect. So says Dan Mitchell, senior fellow at the Cato Institute. The, the Super Committee is a creation of the that debt limit compromise where they mostly kicked the can down the road, but they did agree to set up this committee, six members of the House, six members of the Senate, half Democrats, half Republicans. And this super committee ostensibly is going to come up with somewhere between $1.2 and $1.5 trillion of deficit reduction. Now, a few caveats. Deficit reduction means against a baseline. So if they say they're cutting spending, all they're really doing is reducing the rate of growth of spending. And, of course, the big worry is that if we're talking about deficit reduction, not spending reduction, it means that they can put tax increases on the table. And, indeed, that is the number one political objective of Obama and the Democrats on the committee is to seduce Republicans into some sort of tax increase trap. And, of course, when they say deficit reduction, they're not talking about uh, this year. They're talking about over a long time frame. Yeah, we're talking about a 10-year time frame here. So even though we have this giant, bloated, nearly $4 trillion budget, and even though that budget could easily be cut by $1.5 trillion, no, we're not talking about actually reducing spending next year uh, or even reducing the deficit next year. We're talking about 10 years and a relatively trivial slice at a uh, at a very bloated federal government. All right. So just historically, before we get to the, the super Congress, what has happened uh, historically when uh, Congress has put together packages of spending cuts matched with revenue enhancements, as it was once called? The Probably the best thing to look at is what has happened when we've had these budget summits where you do get this select group of lawmakers uh, that go off uh, to undisclosed locations to hammer out a deal. That's what we had with the famous Andrews Air Force Base Budget Summit in 1990, where President Bush was uh, suckered into giving up his no new taxes pledge. And what did Congress do? They actually increased spending with the money. So uh, we wound up having higher deficits, not lower deficits. Then we had the famous 1982 budget agreement between Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill, where Reagan was supposedly going to get $3 of spending cuts, again, using the Washington definition, not real spending cuts, but $3 of spending cuts for every dollar of tax increases. Well, after he left the White House, Reagan joked that he was still waiting for those $3 of spending cuts. So if this super committee, super Congress plays to form, we'll get some phony deal where we get tax increases up front that are real and promises a future spending restraint that will evaporate faster than a drop of water in the desert. So what would be the best thing for this uh, super committee to do? There are processes in place if they don't achieve uh, a specific spending reductions. Um, what do you think would be the best, best plan? I'm going to make a very simple prediction. If the super committee agrees on anything, and it takes seven out of the 12 to agree, they will agree to something terrible. They will agree to something like the 1990 budget deal. If just one of the Republicans joins with the six Democrats, we will get a very, very bad deal. That's the bad news. The good news, if we do absolutely nothing, we win. Now, why is that? Because there is this fallback provision from that debt limit agreement uh, from uh, just a little while ago, where if the super committee doesn't come up with something, there's an automatic across the board spending cut uh, through what's known as a sequester, which 
longtime budget wonks may remember from the Graham Rudman days of the late 1980s. Uh, But this automatic sequestration or automatic budget cut would save us more than a trillion dollars again over 10 years and against a baseline. So it's not like we're doing anything dramatic like we need to do, but it would be 100 percent deficit reduction on the spending side, which is very appropriate because that's where 100 percent of the problem is. Jagadish Gokhale points out that it's sort of a one-way street when it comes to uh, a current Congress trying to tie the hands of a future Congress. They can effectively uh, only do that one way, and that is by passing a law that's more expensive that compels a future Congress to contend with it. They can't promise on behalf of future Congresses reduced spending. And that's something that I don't think a lot of people really get. We do have a fundamental long-term problem that anything we do today, especially if it happens to be fiscally responsible, trying to constrain the growth of spending or trying to put in place a lower tax burden, there's no guarantee that a future Congress isn't going to undo those things and go back to the normal Washington practice of making government bigger and more expensive. That's just the nature of the beast, uh, which is why, of course, our founding fathers put in place what they thought was a very good constitution that limited the powers of the federal government. And that actually worked out pretty well up until the 1930s when the Supreme Court basically decided that all those parts about enumerated powers and limits on the central government, well, the founders didn't really mean that. Dan Mitchell is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org. 